Oop, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That was the last Popeye's chicken sandwich that we have for the evening. Um, please report back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Happened here. So tonight at uh, 7 o'clock, we got a call for a stabbing. There was a argument that began inside the restaurant behind me. Uh, between two adult males. That argument spilled out into the street. We have since been able to determine through our investigation, our homicide detectives are hard at work on this one, but we have been able to determine um, that uh, preliminarily that this is related to the release of the uh, the sandwich here at this restaurant. Nigga Moments will be the third leading killer of black men behind pork chops and FEMA. It's a fact. What's up, what's up, everybody? It's been a long time, but we are back. As always, this is your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined here by two wonderful people, one whom you've already know, the world's foremost leading legal humorist, Sean Carter, and another who you may not know, but you soon will, and that's Dr. Carrie Claudia Allen. How are y'all doing tonight? Good. Hello. We're all doing better than T.I. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell the people what's what's going on with T.I. Uh, this week, and I think it was in an interview where he explained how he goes to the doctor with his, what, 16, I'm sorry, with a 16-year-old daughter, I believe? She's 18 now. 18, really? So, with a grown woman, and <laughs> there in, in, in the exam to make sure that her hymen is still intact. Yes. So, that I guess that would supposedly, in, in, in the, what, the 1430s would indicate she was still a virgin. <laughs> Correct. But in 2019, there is no way this should still be happening. First of all, the whole thing is first of all the whole thing is creepy, right? So right. I read the article saying that he says, you know, he was like proud of this, right? So he says, every year before my daughter's birthday, I put a little sticky note on her door saying. Gyno appointment tomorrow, 9.30, see you there, and then we go. And so he describes that he goes to the gynecology appointments with her, but because she's 18 now, she has to sign a consent form saying that he can even be in there and get this information. Right. So he says something to the effect of, um, you know, I sit there and I signed it and I told the doc, Hurry up and do this exam so and give me my results. So I my know it's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh! That, that, and he said, "I'm proud to say, as of my daughter's 18th birthday, her hymen is still intact." I mean, let me ask you this. I, I, my understanding is, and you understand that I have a Juris doctorate, which means nothing, right? So <laughs> I certainly don't have the medical information, but. Is it is it not the case that your hymen could be punctured, ruptured, whatever happens to it, falls off, as I thought at one point, and the virgin, because that could happen in a number of ways? Yes. Yeah, so the hymen is basically a ring of tissue that's right around the opening of the vagina um, on the inside that has been described in um, many, many, many girls, um, you know, when you kind of do the vaginal, the external vaginal exam. But it's, first of all, it's not there in everybody. Mm. And then it's just tissue. So 
it can tear, it can rip with friction. So riding bikes, horses, gymnastics, um, and it can look all types of different ways. You can also have penetrative sex and it not rupture or tear. Mm. So we have proven time and again through actual science um, <laughs> that that's not a marker for virginity. Um, and then on top of that, like, the whole thing is kind of sick anyway, right, because it's okay if teenagers have sex. And, like, what really should be happening is they're having an open, honest conversation about it. Right. And he's not policing her vagina because – on what is it called ti and the family hustle or tiny and ti or whatever it is they had an episode with his sons who are younger than this 18 year old telling him that they weren't virgins anymore and apparently he was cool with it so i'm sure oh please he was high-fiving now the thing is i there was a time where this was a kind of a thing because property and you sold her, you, I guess people got a top price for a virgin until they would be a whole, you know, let's see the, the, the bloody sheet afterwards. But like I said, right. that was seven, eight hundred years ago. Normally, are, are people still doing that? It, it, maybe, maybe we don't know, but maybe we're not in those kind of social. Is that a thing? Like, why would he care? I mean, purity culture is still a thing. Okay. Um, you know, we're still talking about taking people's virginity instead of two people consenting to have sex. Right. Like, mm, the concept he... of virginity and of it being a prize and a girl or a woman's value being tied to her untainted love box or whatever, you know, it's like these are still <laughs> concepts that are rolling around in people's heads. That's a whole, I just had a conversation with a lot of female doctors, women physicians about what the um, vagina is called and like what we were taught as children. There was like a thousand different things on there. Right. You know that you're 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 absolutely right about that. But I, from now on, and my wife sometimes listen to the podcast. So baby, um, I'm calling it Love Box from now on. I just <laughs> you have to ask, you have to ask if it's an untainted Love Box. <laughs> <laughs> well, after 27 years of marriage, I'm hoping it's a little tainted. <laughs> Oh man, we have to ask her, but that's what that is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, like what? What about the school of thought? Because I think I've seen this online too, where there have been people, surprisingly women, who are saying, "Right on, Ti, you're supposed mm-hmm. to be making sure that your daughter ain't out here running these streets, oh, and that mm-hmm. you raise a good, clean daughter, and all this stuff." What What is your response to those people? I mean, it's kind of like internalized racism, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to, like, you can be black and still anti-black. You can be woman and still anti-woman. It's internalized misogyny. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, their grandmother told them to keep a nickel between their knees. Right. And they were, it was emphasized to them that their value was tied to this thing. And for a lot of them, 
um, myself included, you know, when it was time to have that first experience, there was shame around it. There was, it was secretive. It was taboo. It's like, you know, and so um, there are a lot of women who, because they never processed their own womanhood and sexuality, not being tied to their the, strictly like their biology to their value as a woman, they never mm-hmm. processed that. So all they do is regurgitate what was spouted to them. Well, you know, and and then can we ask, like, where is mom in this? Where is the wife in this? And I could not help but think about Tiny all day because this, what I mean, I don't know them personally, but just watching the dynamics and the media on the TV, it seems like she has no voice in their marriage or their the way they parent either. Mm-hmm. And so right. there is, you know, this thought of, you know, he, he talked about Tiny and he said, well, we share everything, we go half on everything, including her vagina. So he made, in the same article, he made the comment and said, Tiny's vagina is half hers and half mine, so I tell her to pick whatever half she wants and then the rest belongs to me. Really? I mean, that does sound like a T.I. type statement. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a T.I. I, I, I should have said it in my Atlantean accent, but yeah, so he does, he says out loud, I have possession over the vaginas of the women in my life. And they need to bring and, that to me expeditiously. Right. <laughs> That's it. So you yeah. can imagine, Tiny, I mean, if if he has laid claim on her body, then she she can't even be an advocate for her own daughter and say this is not appropriate. I don't think, if I remember correctly, I think the oldest daughter is not hers. I think the oldest daughter is, because there was some issue where he had the oldest daughter's mom on the show many, many years ago trying to show how they successfully co-parent and all okay. that stuff. But, um, okay. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, he, because he's T.I., and I'm trying to watch my words because I don't want to get shot, um, <laughs> but because he's T.I., I feel like uh, he carries a lot of weight and he carries a lot of the attention. And I think a lot of people in in his circle or around him tend to cater to right. what T.I. wants. Yeah, right. No, so, I yeah. That, that makes sense. I just can't believe, you know, like I said, that, that w- either one, that, like you said, his wife wouldn't be like, hey, fool, um, or, or two, that, and, and you can help us understand this, the, the doctor. Right. I was just about to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you get a doctor to, to, to go for this? Um, so we figure out who it is and write them up to the medical board um, <laughs> because this is a practice that has been deemed harmful, right? Like our first tenet in the Hippocratic Oath is to first do no harm. Right. So this is not just an optional thing. This is actually going against the standard practice of medicine. So there is not a physician who should be performing hymenal exams for the proof of sexual intercourse versus not, right? right. Um, but unfortunately, money talks, mm-hmm. um, and you can find the same way you can find an amazing, incredible, compassionate, smart physician um, across the country. I mean, most of us are that. You can find somebody who's going to do whatever you want them to do for your price. 
So I I put I thought about that and I put myself in that situation and I was like, you know, maybe his celebrity status, maybe they felt like they couldn't say no. Right. And technically, if the patient gives a release of information, then whatever they do in that room, T.I. can know about. Now, the hymenal exam shouldn't be done, but if there's other things that come up, if she had an STD test and it came back positive and she signed that paper, T.I. can call and request those records like they are his. That's why he said, go in that room and check that hymen and bring me my results. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, why he cares so much. But you know, I, but anyway, let him go ahead and see. I do what he do. Um, well, it's just like manhood, and you know, we're talking about tank and all these things. A lot of times, because you know, I don't know the role that Ti's father played in his life, but we can talk about the crisis we have where we don't have the nuclear two-parent homes that we once had in our community. And so a lot of men's idea of fatherhood is tied to a lot of things, to being the provider, being able to pay all the bills, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a part of manhood and fatherhood that is tied to I protected my daughter from boys. My daughter was a virgin when she got married. You know, the shotgun wedding and all that. That's historical. That's not a new concept. No, no, it, it, it isn't. But, you know, but remember, T.I. is not exactly living that whole, you know, this isn't, you know, um, how do I say this? We talk about, you know, this, he hadn't been living the, 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 the clean, you know, Mormon lifestyle. Right, this isn't someone who has been, you know, you know, baby mamas and baby daddies and, and baby sisters and brothers and whatever that is all around the country. And uh, and and you sitting here talking about, you know, now girl, you needed to do your stuff right. She's like, hey, I don't bring like a baby here. I'm winning. But but you know, the rules have never been the same applied to men and women. No, you're right. You're right. You just do as I say, not as I do. Um, and so I guess they're because Tiny looked halfway at Mayweather. She didn't even get on the same side of the room as him, and T.I. had a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no, a lot of levels to that. <laughs> there, 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 I, you know, but I don't you know. I, like I said, you know, but I, have, I have a baby sister, and, you know, my dad didn't have that kind of, you know, backwards attitude. And, and, and don't get me wrong, my, my, you know, my dad is still probably living in 1973 right now. He's not the most progressive man in the world, um, but he wasn't, you know, running around. I couldn't imagine him. You know, most men, most men will be. I don't want to know. Right. La 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 la. I'm not listening to you, Jeff. Like, la, like, like I yeah. don't want to know. Talk to your mom. <laughs> And it didn't seem like, you know, now that we would be, you know, I can imagine a lot of men being ridiculous and like, you know, rooting on their sons for the same stuff. You want to get that that vested in your daughter. Like, it seems like me, you know, you're setting yourself up for a lot of heartache. If you're going, right. you know, put your, you know, rest your manhood on, on, on whether your daughter decides to, you know, do, do what everybody's eventually going to do. Right. And then what does it set the girl up for, right? Because let's say, she gets a boyfriend and falls in love. She's 19. Hormones. Right. Things happen. Like, she's an adult. Right. And she decides to do this, and she doesn't wait for marriage. Is that a conversation she can even have with her parents? Or, again, is it shrouded in the shame and the secrecy, which we know leads to riskier behavior right. and all types of stuff? 
no, college no, dorm like, parties and things. All I know is uh, her dad is a seven-time felon. So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, whoever yeah. the guy is who gets with his daughter, woo, um, you know, yeah. I've been living that a, might a pretty be good life. I've been living a pretty good, clean life uh, for at least the latter half. I, everything has been pretty good and clean. <laughs> and I had to go through some intense interrogation uh, in, in my day in history. Really? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, one one incident that actually got physical uh, <laughs> and, and got out of hand only because I think that there's a tendency, particularly for fathers who haven't necessarily been involved in their daughter's lives mm-hmm. the way they should have right. to want to uh, overcompensate when point. somebody else is coming up and you know it might be a 19 20 21 year old guy and it's like oh okay you think you somebody to her that i can't be and it's not mm. a comparison Ooh. but they reestablished dominance and you know to an extent i feel like as part of my culture you know my my cousin, I did the same thing when she was younger. You know, I, me, we all did. That's part of the family thing. We got to, you know, make sure you are all right. You know, can you fight? Like that, that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's it's very different when, you know, I got to a point where I was feeling like I was an adult and you get challenged like that because not everybody is going to be passive and understanding. And even me, I got my limits. Like everything right. is cool until stuff get physical. And then, yes, I can fight and we will fight. <laughs> wow! So you were fighting people's daddies? What? You know, this, this wasn't <laughs> a daddy. This, this was a this was a big brother that you know had all kinds of issues, and big brother decided that he wanted to put hands on somebody's collar to tell them something, and it didn't end well for him. And then you know it's the whole rush of trying to get out of some little small town in Florida and get back to my <laughs> to my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, you, you, you can live in that thug life. I know. <laughs> we, I would have never guessed. You I'm went to somebody's house and beat their brother up. I'm Baptist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, we had talked about Tank a little bit earlier, and I know it's been a got more media attention than Tank's interview on Angela Yee's podcast, Live Service, where <laughs> Angela Yee, in classic Angela Yee form, Angela Yee, I, I love you, I hope you're listening, uh, in classic Angela Yee form, uh, rope-a-dope Tank into answering some questions <laughs> that he probably wasn't expecting, or at least getting a response that he probably didn't expect to generate. Uh, and so first, the conversation starts off with what is a liar, right? If somebody lies to you once, does that make them a liar? So I'm going to start the same conversation off with the two of you all. If somebody lies once, does that make them a liar? No. No? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> Fairly. If it's Not only to... once and they never did it again, no, they was probably just in a predicament and lost their mind temporarily. Well, no, no, but well, I guess it all depends what you lie about, right? Whether you lie about whether that looks good on you, right? I mean, there's flattery mm-hmm. lies, right? Um, and then there are, you know, I was at Tony's house lies, right? <laughs> <laughs> How you know right. Tony? <laughs> right, right? You know, that ain't my baby lies. I mean, there's, 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 
and, and so I think you know you have to sort of take and take you know take account with that. Now, now generally speaking, here's here's the bottom line, and I think this is true for 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 most people is that most people, okay, <laughs> are will 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 always tell you the truth unless a lie will serve them better. What? <laughs> that was and what I mean by that is, very few people are going to lie to you. You know, that, to me, a liar is someone who just can't help themselves, just want to tell a lie, even when it doesn't work for them. Just tells stupid lies. Lies are obviously right. called them, right? But 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 every, just about everybody else was just will will try to get away with. Okay. But see, women have women's intuition, so we're Uh-oh. asking and we look at you real. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Because we know, first of all, y'all all all lie bad. You stutter, you blink too hard, (laughs) you you use vocabulary words you never used before. (laughs) Talking about sound. Well, that's not germane to this conversation. (laughs) Where you get that sixth grade vocabulary word from? (laughs) (laughs) But here's the point, though, is why? And we should ask, I guess, why? Why do you need the? Why do you need the confession? I guess is my point. We don't need it, but it's a test. We want to know: Are you going to tell the truth? Because we already know the truth. Because we got Cindy on on the other line on mute. Thank you. Exactly. You already know. <laughs> you you already got the text. You you got the receipts, right. you got the, the the motel bill. Why are you actually wanting the confession too? Like that's what I don't get. Because listen, because listen, at the end of the day, if we don't get the lie, we can't use the the age old line. You ain't have to lie to me. <laughs> you could have just been honest about it. See, I'm not mad that you did it. I'm mad you lied about right. it. Nah, you mad he did it too. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but we can't. We can't say. We're not gonna say that. <laughs> no, we had, we're hinging the entire argument on the lie. That's the exact lie. I love that one. Which is, why don't you be a man? If you just be a man about it, I'm like, <laughs> you understand? Maybe a man is a man about. It. Y'all ain't gonna want that man to be a live man. If it's a man came home at three in the morning and, and you said, "Where were you?" He said, "Oh, I'm out screwing around." The relationship's over. I ain't gonna talk about you. You might as well pack up all your stuff, <laughs> your stuff, because you had to get out. Oh, but this 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 is how they get you. This is how they get you. Because they ain't even going to ask you at 6 in the morning. They're going to let you go to sleep. And (laughs) and it's going to be a week later. You're going to be doing laundry. Mind your business. Remember last week when you came in? And that's what it is. I think think it's y'all catch us at the moment when we're not even thinking about it. And now we got to go back and remember what state of mind we're in at the time. And Uh the, the disconnect between trying to think about the response and trying to remember what happened creates all these other issues, particularly if, so if, if you're somebody who was a compulsive liar to the point where you've incorporated friends and family right. into the class, and you got to remember what lies you told those people to make sure that this lie will stand up under pressure of interrogation, right? So you're right. like, oh, which one was this? Was this lie number five, lie number seven, right. uh, whatever? <laughs> and, and I think yeah. it's that, like, Everybody know. Everybody know. men know when they get caught out there, right? Right. But there's something that we're trained on, and I don't, I don't know if women know this, but our uncles tell uh-huh. us at an early age never admit defeat. 
Never admit it. Wow. Never admit it. Y'all have heard that Shaggy song? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was literally going through my head. It wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't care that you got this video. Who you going to believe, me or your own two eyes? Exactly. And and here's the thing, but you know, and 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 almost we we've learned that sort of in, in recent days, it's like think about all the guys who got caught in the Me Too stuff, right? Right. The ones mm. who kept their job, but the ones who kept lying, even though we had video, even though as soon as you came out like Al Franken, like oh yeah, I did it, you gone. Right. Your president. Your like, president. Exactly. <laughs> There's no quid That's pro quo. Example, right? There's no quid pro quo. Nope. I just told him if they didn't do it, then I won't go give him no aid. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going to believe, me or this lying memorandum that I printed out? <laughs> no, you, you, but here's the thing about it is, part of it almost works that way, which is like, you know, at least you still got enough respect for me that you still lying. At least <laughs> you know it's wrong. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah. I, I, I think that basically, uh, you know, I think we, I think all, I think we would all agree that, that, that men tend to, uh, lie. So I guess here's the thing is, we might be liars, but what's the, what, what's the alternative? <laughs> and I, ain't, I ain't gonna act yeah. like women don't be lying too, we away with it. We'll be lying. Women don't oh, lie. I was, it's I was, black women. They're I was at lie. a nail appointment. I was getting my nails done. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting my nails done. Oh, you remember Reggie from work? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, there was he no after work punk. Oh, okay. Cousin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, but here's the thing about us is that I don't think. I, I, how do I say this? It's, it's not that it's, it's beyond women for, for for me. It's just that I don't think any of us men are smart enough to catch them. Right. I agree. Mm. Well, here's for me, at least not to have evidence. And I know this because I one time years ago went in my wife's trunk just on actually told me to go in there. And found some clothes she had bought from three years before mm-hmm. that she had never brought out to take it out of the, out of the package, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't suspicious all those years. Like, damn, where'd that money go, right? <laughs> 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 and I'm just like, well, she could have done anything. I'm just, I'm watching the game. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're you know, distracted. There's another side to that too, though. Because I think mean, there's also a lot of dudes that know that they girl or whoever is doing something wrong, right. but they don't want to come to the realization. They don't want to oh, accept yeah. it. So it's like, I'd rather not ask, because if she say, oh, yeah, right. I've been seeing Tony. He's bigger than you. He's right. an asshole. <laughs> <than you." laughs> he don't want to hear it. So it's like, as I long mean, as I don't acknowledge Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> How the hell? See, now I feel like t- we done got ambushing Jesse on ambush in this conversation. I'm gonna have to answer some stuff that I don't want to answer to. <laughs> Who the hell? But one, why, you said you were at Tony's house, but two, like you know, like, <laughs> I know it's Tony. It's like you know all this stuff because Ti got caught in a conversation he didn't have no business or uh, getting into. Didn't want to the real thing of Ti, which is. Can you engage? So, so it asks about the liar, and can you right. be a liar? If you lie, does that make you a liar? And the right. Angela Yee said, "Well, all right. If you don't think so, then if, a, if you're a man and you pleasure another man, um, her name of her podcast is lips right. lip service to another man twice. Right. Does that make you gay? 
want to be clear. Right. This is Tank, not T.I. I'm not trying to get shot. T.I. <laughs> yeah. did not say any of this. T.I. was too busy worried about Dionysia's hymen. That's right. That's right. T.I. was an OBGYN. Tank Tank was in the gynecology office. Exactly. So, 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 so Tank, you're right. So Tank says that a man can give lip service to another man two, maybe three times, and still be straight. Now, right. I've been trying to take up for Tank, and I know my friends who are listening to this, especially my people at barbershop, uh, <laughs> are going to look at me sideways, but hear me out, okay? My thing with Tank is this. He got caught up in a question <laughs> that he was trying to commit to based on a previous question. Right. right. So I think his whole thing was, I'm not trying to concede, Thank but you. it is factual that just because some guy is engaged in this with another guy, that necessarily make him gay. That That's factual. There's a spectrum, right? right? And I think that his thing is, you know, I didn't think black America <laughs> to like roll up on me and like take it to another extreme. Um, but it comes off as really weird, particularly if you're raised in a very hyper, maybe even some would say toxic masculine environment, like many of us are. Um, then, then there's a, an assumption that's made that's like, hey, there's a man who just admitted to doing some things and he didn't admit anything. Right. right? <laughs> like people start putting words in his mouth. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so at that point, <laughs> at that point, he was on the defensive. Trying to figure out yeah. like what just happened, and Angela, you know what she's doing. She she do this all the time. She's the same thing with her and Gucci right now. She she asks, that's why I love her. She'll ask questions that she knows is gonna get people messed up, and then be like, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm innocent, Angela Yee. I would never <laughs> I never do that." <laughs> I, I do know this, and I want to I want to get the doctor's opinion here. But my professional opinion as a podcaster is that doing from now on, Jesse is going to deal with this topic. <laughs> men giving other men oral sex is going to be really going to change the name of the show. All right, <laughs> Because I have never seen ratings like this. Every person on my Facebook feed, white people, we're, 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 <laughs> right. People in, you know, in, in Uganda, you know, I got some of African friends and they were, you know, everybody had an opinion on this. Um, and it, it didn't go well for Tank. And the thing that cracked me up about it was, is I'm like, look, y'all man at Tank talking about questioning his sexuality. And, and, and but look, you the one following him on this concert. Right, right. So, so, so yeah, I'm not sure I'm worried about his sexuality at all. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And, hey, and good money. Not, and there's nothing wrong with Yeah, so we saw this when, I don't know if you guys watch Insecure. Yes. <laughs> if that's do. a manly thing to do, I don't know. Shout but, out Issa Rae. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love Issa Rae. So you remember the episode where Molly was dating this new guy, and he was just beautiful oh. and perfect and smart and all this stuff. And she says, oh, yeah, I experimented back in college. And he was like, oh, I did too. And he admitted to pleasuring another man. Um, and then was like, yeah, it wasn't really my thing. Like, so we had this discussion this time last year too. Uh huh. And uh, you know, it's very it's a polarizing topic. But the question is always coming back up: Why is it okay for a woman to say that she experimented in college or after college or yesterday, 
And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. Like, what do you mean? Right? She may not even identify as bisexual. She just Thank likes you. to play and have fun on weekends. But if a man says that, then he, there, he can't even have the option of being bi. He has to be gay. I can tell you the answer to that. You ain't going to like it. But I can tell you the answer to that. The, the okay. That men like women who can go both ways. Like, that's it. That's it. It's like, okay. It, men are men are very self-centered. So who, the, the thing is that if you are dating a woman and the woman tells you, well, you know, I used to do this and that, it's looked as a bonus because it's like, well, maybe she'll do this for me. Maybe right. I can insert myself into this situation and we could all have a good time. But because right. men who are hypersexual and, and, and heterosexual aren't going to be looking at men, then it's like, well, I would assume that every man is going to think like me, right? So when you come across a guy who doesn't think like you, then one, there's already this, this, you know, vicious double standard where usually we talk about how the benefit goes to the man and the detriment goes to the woman. But on this issue, it flips. Right. Like, okay, mm-hmm. he doesn't look like me. He's not a man, right? No, it's weird, and, though. I don't get this. Like, the Issa Rae, and I, I'm glad you brought that one, the Insecure episode. The thing that got me was, but the biggest problem was the, the woman who was like, I can't date him anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like, like, most women, you know, can't, can't, can't go for that. And so I'm mad at Jesse right now because he didn't give away the keys to the kingdom. Do you know how many men are right now dealing with some crazy woman, but she once had an experience and he <laughs> that again? Right. You know how much time is being wasted. Um, but guys, on the other hand, I promise you, uh, that's not going to be your entree. Uh, and, and, and do some, some stuff. You can't go tell a woman you just start dating. Oh, by the way, you know, every once in a while. I, um, you know, I like to do a little, uh, you know, <laughs> what, Angela Yee. Um, that's, that's not going to work for you. But it's weird how even women have sort of bought into that double standard. You don't think, you don't think he's really gay. He just doesn't want to come out as gay. Right. Right. So right. Like, and it's weird how only men never, you know, no one even believes that there's such a thing as a bisexual man. It's just they're right. straight men and then gay men who can't be fully gay for whatever reason yet. Right. Right. And I have a couple of friends who are self-identified as bisexual men, mm-hmm. but live a homosexual lifestyle and only date and engage with other men because of this extreme abuse that they have gotten from women mm-hmm. when they have outed themselves to women and said, I like both. Mm-hmm. And they have been castigated and, like, verbally and psychologically abused so much that they just say, nope, I'm gay. Like, they don't even go there because they don't want to get this onslaught of what we're seeing right now all over our Facebook timeline. But, you know, so I'm a professor as well as a physician. I teach residents um, Uh that are training to do family medicine. And so, you know, part of our teaching, and I actually put in the first LGBTQ curriculum last year um, that we've ever had, and I guess that's, like, big for South Carolina. And so... um, (laughs) That's that's earth-shattering for South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, no shade. (laughs) All shade. But, like, you know, so one of the things we tell them is you cannot make assumptions based on what someone looks like, based on their marital status based on any of the things that you have formulated in your head about this person, when they come in 
when you're taking your medical history and surgical history and medication history and all that, when you get to the sexual history, you need to ask them, what are your sexual practices? Do you, Are you a man who has sex or engages in any sexual activity with other men, women, or both? And that should be standard for everybody because, first of all, the answers you get um, <laughs> are wildly unpredictable. Um, but, two, you know, it can not only build trust and establish a, a solid doctor-patient relationship, but then it also helps you guide how you need to counsel that person, right? So if they are married but they're swingers or mm. if they are married and have a girlfriend or however the setup is, then you can, like, when, you know, one thing pops up, you can say, okay, everybody needs to get tested or if you guys use these particular toys, this is how you clean your toys. Like, we have to be, we can't shy away from what people are doing because they're doing it, right? So we have to be ready to help them be empowered about all of their sexual choices. So you mean to tell me it's people going to the doctor being honest? Um, <laughs> Like 5% of the time, but hey, you got to be ready for that 5%, right? Um, but a lot of people are but you know, it's funny you said that because a lot of people aren't volunteering this if the doctor's not asking because they are scared that there will be judgment there, you know? You know, it's funny. My standard reply, you know, when the doctor asks me, you get a new doctor or whatever, and say, you know, you're sexually active. And I was like, Doc, I've been married for 27 years, so the answer is no. Um, <laughs> right. And the doctor always loves that answer, but then he's always like, all right, seriously. <laughs> Right. I imagine, you know, you're certainly not going to look at the person and be like, oh, you nasty. Um, <laughs> but I, I think our fear is you do go back to the next room and be like, oh, girl, let me tell you about it. <laughs> <sighs> now, now, if doctors in, I imagine, you know, well, the, you don't do that, of course, because that would be breach no. of So we'll just pretend like it never happens. I get it. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, like, a doctor had to check out Usher. And really, him let it burn. And you see, I walk around with that information. You walk around with that information, knowing TMZ and Harvey and all them coming with big checks. And they say, right. "Look, we know something happening. This girl was talking about was green stuff shooting out. Can you tell us you know, what's what's going on?" I mean, like, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I think, you know, and this is kind of segueing into a bigger discussion that we need to have since you are the medical professional here. Uh, this issue about why folks don't go to the doctor in the first place, particularly black folks. Um, <laughs> I was reading a book, this book called uh, Medical Apartheid, and it was talking mm. about the history of how all of this medical experimentation that really created a bedrock for everything from gynecology to uh, studies about diseases and all that stuff all came from experimentation on the African-American community. Right. Either through right. slavery or through Tuskegee experiment or through you name it, experiment was done on our community. And there's a theory proposed in that book that this is the premise for why we do not feel like it's a safe place to come to. Why Sean and I probably are going to say, all right, well, unless we're in dire straits, we're probably not going to be right. going to the doctor on top of it being expensive. So right. is there anything, any other reason that you've heard that is a reason why we aren't going to the doctor? And do you have any, any counter arguments for why we should? 
Well, so first of all, um, let's just dispel the myth that black people don't go to the doctor uh, or, or go to the doctor any less frequently than anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people just don't like going to the doctor. And then, then when you look at the numbers, you know, black folks especially who happen to be, you know, a lot more of the poor population, especially mm-hmm. where I am, um, are either uninsured or underinsured or they have great insurance but they're working two and three jobs and cannot take out to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, like, I have patients. I had patients who um, – I have a patient who's a janitor, and that, you know, working her day job doesn't pay the bills. And so then she does housekeeping somewhere else at night and literally is leaving one job, taking an hour-long nap and going to the next one, and cannot see me. And so she is in – constant pain from pushing these brooms and mops across the floor but can't even get in to get the x-ray of her back to see how bad the arthritis is Mm -hmm. so you know we have a problem in this country where we don't value human beings um and we don't value them equally and so like when you talk about kind of the modern day behavior of people and, and the way we interact with the medical system um yeah the feeling of not being seen, valued, respected, and heard um, is valid, and it's historical, and these are historical facts. So you talk about gynecology. The father of modern gynecology um, is Marion Sims. He was a physician in the 1800s. He went on a tour around the nation with three black women who he performed surgery on in front of hundreds of other physicians to teach them these hysterectomies and other surgical procedures and he did it without anesthesia so he's cutting their bellies open and removing their female reproductive organs with no anesthesia whatsoever i mean it's hard enough as a woman to get a speculum exam (laughs) so like you're cutting into me and so he documented in his text that black women don't feel pain Mm. Um, and he said that, you know, if they felt pain, the pain would have been excruciating enough that they would have died. And so the fact that these slave women survived these surgeries over and over again meant that they could not possibly have felt pain. So then it's inserted in these medical textbooks that black women don't feel pain. Mm. And you have, and that's not that many generations ago, right? So if you think about all the iterations of medical knowledge that's been passed down and you get to physicians my age, um, you know, we're one generation removed from textbooks that say that black people don't feel pain, um, Latina women uh, don't feel pain in childbirth because they're stoic and they don't need pain medication. They don't they don't make noise when they have contractions, you know. Mm. Um, Asian women have these stereotypes and this and that. And so, I mean, that's still in textbooks. That's still being taught. Um, there was a study from uh, medical students, I think it was about 20 years ago, not that long ago, that said that they they surveyed them and they thought black people had thicker skin, so you had to go deeper with the needle when you were trying to draw their blood. Mm. No. Right. You bring up an important point because we've seen it with regards, especially with regard to women and OBGYN um, or, uh, uh, what is it, 
um, grand, basically babies. And Serena almost died, and, and, and black right. women are dying at like three times the rate of, of other people. Yeah. It, it seems like that, that do any of those textbooks say that black people shouldn't be believed, and when we do say we have pain, they don't believe us, or that seems to be a big thing, right? That's a big thing. The textbooks don't say don't believe black women. Um, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not but, that blatant. But, you know, here's the thing. Um, what, if, depending on the series of ideas that you have surrounding a certain population, don't, your entire actions and the way you mm-hmm. care for somebody is going to be based on that. So if this woman is 25 years old and she's coming in pregnant with her sixth child, unmarried, whatever thought that provokes in you, you're going to carry that from the time you meet her throughout her delivery and beyond mm-hmm. because you don't even think she should exist. You don't no. even think this sixth baby should have ever been conceived, right? So then how do you say that you're giving the absolute best care? If a 28-year-old married English professor at the university invokes different feelings in you than the 25-year-old mother of six, you know, second, third baby daddy invokes, then you have racial bias or you have class bias or some Mm. bias that you need to address before you can even kind of start to think that you're giving equal care to both of those people. That's part of the problem, right, is that we have a lot of unaddressed bias, um, and, you know, we have not accounted for that in medicine. And part of it, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to ask you about the differences in, you know, in every profession. I mean, obviously, all everyone raised in America, you know, has those issues. But, like, for instance, in law, in some states, when you do when we do our CLE in medicine, obviously ME continuing med- medical education, we have courses mm-hmm. on you know bias in, in some jurisdictions. Do you guys have those courses? We have um, hospital module trainings that we have to do every year on diversity and bias, but no, there is nothing standard, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm fighting for um, with mm-hmm. my legislative advocates and uh, the politicians. Uh, who I'm kind of constantly in their ear. So California, about three weeks ago, is the first state that passed a bill saying that every provider, whether it's a physician, nurse, midwife, whomever, who takes care of pregnant women has to have racial bias training. Excellent. And so um, shout out to one of our state reps here, Cambrell Garvin. Um, I'll be meeting with him soon. He pre-filed uh, last week a bill stating that the state of South Carolina will be requiring the same thing. And so we have to get that pushed through and passed in this state, and that's my mission. Because let me tell you, when you correct for education level, socioeconomic status as far as wealth, um, geography, everything, and you have two women, one black, one white, that are identical Mm -hmm. in all of those areas, the black woman still has 400% more chance of dying in childbirth. Mm. I mean, it's even bad for white women, right? So a white woman born in the South, a white woman born in Mississippi is four times more likely to die than if she had been born in London, Mm. right? So it's not just black women. America 
is doing this birth thing wrong. And one of my mentors and idols who's doing this work, Dr. Joya Creer-Perry, um, she was summoned to the United Nations in Geneva to testify on why the United States of America is the only nation in the entire world. And I'm talking about all the countries in Africa, India, everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. We are the only nation in the entire world where the maternal death count is rising. Everywhere else is declining. Right. So right. we have, so it's at the point where it's like, okay, guys, we can't ignore this anymore. And it's not just in black women. I mean, it's, it's bad for everybody. The best that we do, um, so like our best numbers are like 11 women out of every 100,000. That's how like epidemiology, you know, counts it. Um, that's for the best population in America. In Sweden, that number is four average. Mm. So they're they're doing a lot right, but here's the thing: they have universal health care. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in mass incarceration. Mm. They have universal doulas, so every mom who's pregnant gets assigned a doula for birth and up to a year afterwards. They have paid maternity leave up to a year. They just introduced introduced paid paternity leave. So their people are well supported in education, in housing, in all the things that make everybody be able to thrive. Right. And then their and then their birth numbers look better, right? So that's the issue we have in this country is that we still have the haves and the have nots. And then we are we act baffled that the have nots have all of these health disparities. Well, let me ask you this, because even you know, aside from that, you know, my general idea of preventative medicine is kind of, a, you know, the guy thing of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it is broke, right. limp on it a couple of days, it'll probably get better. <laughs> that's my philosophy, too. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> take bad a Tylenol and take a nap. You there you go. It. Right, That's a bad one. Now, the here thing about it is, but last year, I give you an example. Last year, I, it got so bad, I went to the doctor. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it was because of the HIPAA, but it was bad, all right? I'm like, I got to go. I go to the doctor. You can tell your own business. I just Yeah, no. I'm not going to. How do I say this? Um, it was I, your love I, I found myself not always being the, the, man, the man I could be. All right, put it that way, right? And the man I used to be, I, I, I like to think of myself as, and so I run to the doctor, and I mean, literally, I don't even take my car. I go running to the doctor, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not working, doc. And, I'm 50. And, and, and his every response to everything I had to say was, well, you need to drop about 20 pounds. Mm. And, and like, well, also my elbow hurt, and I know because because he's carrying around all that weight. You got you got to drop about 20 pounds. And I was just like, mm. you know, and, and at some point, and women complain about this even more. But it's like, you know, there, there, there's, and I understand that I think that, you know, obviously, you know, excess weight probably does have a lot of bad factors all, you know, all around. But at right. one point, it seems like at some point, it's just like, I, I, you know, I end up not believing anything he said because it's just like everything was, you got to lose 20 pounds, right? Mm. My, my throat is sore. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, we have to have that honest conversation in this country, too, about how, you know, that people are uh, hated, are disrespected, are invisible, um, and and yet we still have food deserts. Uh, 
Right. We have McDonald's on every corner in the hood, and yet we are putting the accountability for someone being obese on them, right? We have GMO. Um. We have chicken that's the size of a turkey now. <laughs> um, with steroids. Right. It's like we have little boys with breasts. I mean, there's hormones everywhere. Right. We're having more and more kids with diabetes because there's high fructose corn syrup in everything. You used to be able to drink juice, and now you're literally just drinking syrup and water. And <laughs> yet, you're right. It's just if you only lost a few pounds, 10% of your body weight, it would make all of your problems go away. And the fact that you have problems is because you're fat, because you're lazy, because you don't care about your health. Right. Mm. But speaking of chicken and GMO, I assume that the <laughs> your professional medical opinion doctor is not that any human being should wait five hours for a damn chicken sandwich. <laughs> Bruh. What about First if they cut you in line? Should you stab them? You know, facts and circumstances. But, but if you know, I'm not a mandated reporter. If you stab somebody, and I have, <laughs> <laughs> that's not in the list of things I'm mandated to report. So <laughs> that goes under HIPAA. I can't say anything about what happened in my past. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to finally get me a taste of that delicious, glorious sandwich today. And I got off work. First off, uh, I had a meeting that lasted a little bit later. So I was off by about 45 minutes from the time, my peak time to get there. And when I pulled up, I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's five o'clock traffic, uh, in North Durham. Okay, cool. Not a problem. Let me just navigate. I know all the spots. I'm busting Yui and I'm going to get into Popeyes. And uh, what I came to realize is that wasn't five o'clock traffic. That was Popeye's traffic. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, every time Popeye's comes out, like when it opened and when they have new stuff, the sandwiches, whatever, it's literally an episode of Boondocks in my hometown. Like there's police officers with little <laughs> um, air, you know, the, the airport yeah. things, the cars uh, hold up. The police no. officers directing traffic. Is cars, you know, is people from all of, and North Durham is what they consider to be one of the poor areas of Durham. So it's poor people of all races, all shapes, all sizes, all sitting yeah. in beat up cars, all waiting to get around. And oh, it right, takes up right, a right. major highway, like a major thoroughfare just to get to the Popeyes. Meanwhile, Bojangles is sitting there and their workers are whistling, uh, <laughs> twiddling <laughs> their thumbs. They used to be. Well, you know, I don't get, cause here's what I don't get this, is that, first of all, you introduce a sandwich, you do exactly what you want to have happen, it's a crazy, everybody loves your sandwich, and you run out of chicken. If our chicken restaurant runs out of chicken for two months, I will never understand, alright? But you finally go get the Chinese somebody to get you some more chicken. <laughs> but you can't figure out a way to get the chicken out the door? Really? <laughs> And I'm just like, you know, it, it, it's almost like Popeye's is, is, is messing with black people. Like, how in the <laughs> world do you do this? Because here's the thing about it is, Starbucks, they got a Brisbane business. Every morning people in there, especially pumpkin spice, spice season, you ain't never seen a four-hour okay. night pumpkin spice. Mm -hmm. Right. What? And we all knew it was coming, too, because it happens 
same time every year. Thank you, right? Y'all it's not like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so to me, I'm almost like, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at black people for going. You know, don't go anywhere to the people. And I told yeah. you, I told everybody, it's just a chicken sandwich. I promise you. Yeah, that's what all the people. First are. of all, I had some. It was not that good. Oh, whatever. Everybody who had it, that's what y'all say. <laughs> no, for real. But like the night I had it, I was like, "So what's the hype?" Because I ain't never going back to Popeyes again. Is what I said. Oh, well, I was just gonna say, man. You know, you got to really respect their their um, business strategy. You know, Popeyes is selling chicken sandwiches like like. The crack was sold in the eighties. You no. can't just like hand off and take the money and keep it moving. You gotta have a line develop. Stuff no. gotta accumulate. You gotta have people lined up on the first and fifteenth. Like <laughs> but that's the thing. Even Nino Brown was running his thing more more organized than than Popeye. Yeah. You know, Ryan out the Carter all down the block and people stab each other in the line. Right? No, Pookie got his 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 his, his two piece. Right? He got a whole turkey. <laughs> That's what it looked like. They it need like a. They give it away. Like it's a big turkey line of you know. If they give it away, then you can stand the far line. But if you pay right. for it, you're supposed to get it properly. And we told you, Jesse, it's not that good. And I know you shot. The thing is, if you haven't had it yet, and this is the listeners too, you guys think it's like sex. Well, people said, "Oh my God, it's not that you know, it's not that big of a deal." And I'm gonna. Right. Decades now, it, it it really ain't that it ain't that special. All right, trust me, <laughs> it's the same thing. Popeye, Jesse, you should be proud that your Popeye's chicken sandwich hymen is still intact. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. I'm doing everything I can. <laughs> Don't make me call Ti. That's all I'm saying. Don't make me call him. How are you doing the Popeyes thing? Because you know we were talking about way before. So Jesse decided he was going, you know, be be, be the skinny brother-in-law, and he's been. What are you on now? Day eighteen now, Jesse. Uh, day fifteen. Day yeah. fifteen. You're working out. Look good. Mm-hmm. Trying try to do a little bit. Trying to look now. Now this is the thing. So I always do my stuff in stages, and this time I'm trying to make a commitment to myself to lose fifty pounds by the summer. All right. So exercise has really been an issue for me because I play sports, all that before I let myself go. So it's just getting back in the habit of doing something I enjoy. The problem for me is dieting, right? So what Mm. I've done is I have gotten a international group of friends. So I've got personal trainer in Nigeria. I've Mm. got some dietitian friends all across America who are giving me all kinds of tips on what diet should work, what things to do, what not. And I am designated to pick one. So I've been doing research since I started working out again. And I am moved to pick one. And it looks like keto is going to win. So when keto wins out, that will begin Sunday of next week, which means I've only got two days to get this Popeye sandwich in. I got (laughs) to go ahead and say my goodbye and enjoy it before I go to this keto diet. Um, well, from what I've read about it and from what I've heard about it, keto is a diet that is very low carb, high fat, but like most, mostly like good oil fats, avocado fats, things like that. Um, and people like it because it gives you more flexibility, things you can eat. So basically the one I looked at, it's a 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. eating window 
where you okay. can eat anything that is on their list, which is usually going to encompass meats, vegetables. Um, people make like pasta like dishes, but with zucchini. Um, you know, and, and everybody I know who's done it for a course of like a month has dropped literally 15 to 20 pounds. Okay. Now, my concern about this is one, I've heard some people say that keto makes you smell funny, which I certainly don't want to be staying. Number two, <laughs> because I'm vain and I can't help it. Uh, number two, my concern is I'm always concerned about ballooning diets. And what I mean by that is right. if we cut out carbs and all that, Thanksgiving's coming. I'm not even going to lie to myself. If my mother-in-law come through with this pie, don't even matter what kind it is, sweet potato, pecan, <laughs> apple, it's a wrap for me, right? <laughs> so right. I don't want to eat a slice of pie and then think, okay, I'm pushing myself away from the table after one slice, and I'm thinking I'm good, but all of a sudden that one slice threw off your whole head and gained 10 pounds overnight. So, and I think I've had that when I tried to do like Atkins before and all that. Not to mention Atkins was just weird because it had me eating breakfast at like nighttime and it makes you feel weird when you go to sleep because it's too much grease. Um, so, you know, me, I'm trying to find a way to, to balance it so that I'm not taking in so many carbs. I'm not taking in so many sugars, but at the same time, if I happen to, to have a slice of cake, you know, one time in the two week period, that's not going to completely destroy the two weeks of work that I've done. So that's the thing. And the reason that dieting has never been a strong suit for me is because I eat. <laughs> I love I love to eat. The the more unhealthy it is, the more I'm there. I used to go to a restaurant in college that had a D plus rating. Why? Because the Philly oh, cheese tastes great. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I have someone say this to me. She didn't have a medical degree, but she was, you know, skinny. So that that that, that counted for something for me. And, and when she told me once, Sean, you let me explain something to you. You can never outrun your fork. So right. basically, that you know, of the two things, the more important thing is what you put in your body because you can't do enough mm-hmm. exercise if you put the wrong stuff in there. That right. being said, I'm not. I'm going to skip it. And we're going to get real medical advice, so don't listen to this, people. But Jesse, just between you and me, I lost 65 pounds in 11 weeks once. Hmm. And the diet I used was called the Ritland diet. And what I did is I went to see someone and told them that I have trouble paying attention and, and, and being organized, which is true. And they gave me Ritalin. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I ate for 11 weeks. Wow. And I exercised. Wow. <laughs> and I kept it all. Now, here's the thing. I gained it all back. But it took me 10 years to gain it back. It wasn't a bad oh. trade-off. Okay, okay. Didn't change any of my diet. Now, don't get me wrong, it probably took about five years off my life. But they were going to be bad five years anyway. We're going to be 85 to the 90s. So, you think they have those. <laughs> Doctor, is that good medical advice? Ooh, listen, I cannot <laughs> co-sign that and keep my medical license at the same time. <laughs> uh, but I will say that when we do start people on Ritalin and Adderall, we have to ask them, uh, how's your appetite? How's your self? Yes. Mm. Decreased appetite and increased energy is known to go along with that particular medication. 
It does, I know. And I <laughs> and, and, and just one part of the reason I started doing that, look, forgive me, obviously I wanted to lose weight, but not just that, but 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 you know, I I now, for instance, normally get on the plane that go into the city I'm supposed to go to. Because without it, I might not. I'm mean, gonna get on some plane that, that's going somewhere, but it might not be the right one. <laughs> so it's yeah. good for me. But but anyway, what do you yeah. think as far as keto? What would you be your suggestions? So, um, not opposed to the keto diet, but definitely um, there can be some smell involved um, with, like, maybe breath changes. So, be careful, you know, make sure that. And then with women, um, a lot of them have described something called keto crotch, um, where it may change the pH of the vagina, um, and they may have a discharge or a fishy odor just because, you're drastically changing, you know, what you're putting into your body. And so the idea behind the ketogenic diet is that you're putting your body into a state of starvation um, or ketolysis, basically, um, so that it starts to burn the fat that you already have instead of using the food you're putting in your mouth to use as the fat. Okay. Or the energy. So, um, So that's the whole point. Yeah, I can't go What's back that? to the keto crotches, what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah, understand you that, that I will never be able to any to look at the people, the keto people, women I know now without making the. Yeah, I think they're so downplaying it. They're downplaying it, but apparently, <laughs> I guess maybe your body is used to it. Uh, but yeah, they have definitely kind of done a little bit of research, and you can Ooh. have like a bacterial vaginosis or something. Um, kind of accounted with it because you are shifting your pH so drastically because you're you're really really changing your diet very drastically. Oh man, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so one of the one so one of the best diets that we have good evidence behind and that we put our medical stamp behind is the Mediterranean diet. So that's going to be lots of fish, um, your nuts you know, high protein, um, it's going to be low in your saturated fats. Um, you can have the fats like the avocados and that kind of thing, but um, just very high protein, low carb. How is Jesse's crotch going to smell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not really concerned for me, but I'm but, but, but like, like, like <laughs> I'll call I'll call his wife when we get on <laughs> do a private consultation. Oh man, I can't have that. I can't be safe. No, no. <laughs> so I've never actually I don't I'm not I've taken care of maybe one or two people with uh, that are on the keto diet. So I haven't had any experience with it with my patients, but um, I've kind of looked it up, and that's one of the things that they say. You know, the other thing that you have to be careful about is making sure that your cholesterol is being monitored, especially if you already had cholesterol issues, because um, with taking in the fats, you you might not be taking in the right fat, right, and your body may or may not be processing it well. So you just need to make sure that if you're on the keto diet that you're getting your cholesterol or your lipids checked at least in three to six months and make sure they're, they're still doing okay. Uh, what is the sign for having a cholesterol problem? How will you know? Uh, you'll know by going to the doctor and getting your blood checked. <laughs> That's going to cost me a copay. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I just say that, right, because you may not, you may not have any other symptoms, you know, until the heart attack. So, 
Um, this is why, you know, at least everybody needs to get their blood pressure and cholesterol. And if you're overweight, you know, you at least need to have like a diabetes check at least once a year or every couple of years just to make sure that everything looks good. So listeners, don't be like me. Go to the doctor. Go, <laughs> go to the doctor. And if you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. But just <laughs> Medicare for all is. Hey, we gotta, I, can, I can do this all night. We can't keep. We can't keep a doctor forever. <laughs> Somebody's got to get cared for in the morning. Um, so, anything we can plug for you, uh, Dr. Allen. Anything you, uh, you you you're doing? You want us to? You got a you got a book? You got a, a TV show coming out? Something. Oh, What's that? You did a form for for uh, Julian Castro, right? On I did. Well, he sat down with me to really address the maternal mortality crisis in Black women, and um, it was wonderful. Um, he is he was very patient. He was listening to kind of really understand um, what this crisis is about, and to figure out how he can use his circle of influence or um, future political influence to help us out. Uh, because, you know, the thing is, like I said, in countries where everyone is valued equally and there's clean water, right, Flint, um, there is, you know, you're not distributing the tax dollars based on property tax. So the rich neighborhoods get the good schools and the Section 8 housing, get the textbooks with no backs on it like I grew up with in D.C. Yeah. Um, you know, when you create societies that are going to be living separate, different qualities of life, this is what you get. So where I live and work, um, our zip code has the highest amputation rate in the entire nation. Mm. And we also don't have a grocery store in the entire zip code. Mm. So... While I know that I'm making impact in my small sphere, I know that this problem is much bigger and we're going to have to change our laws and our policies. And that's where uh, attorneys like you all come in and advocate for people because it's really the, the policies dictate the way we do life. They dictate who, which communities get a sidewalk, a playground, a safe place to play, how we police our communities, and this all plays into our health. So um, as far as what I'm working on right now, um, still just getting the word out, doing everything I can to tell everybody that we have a crisis and help people figure out what they can do um, individually. So for moms, um, expecting moms, have no fear, but be educated about your body, know what your blood pressure is, Ask as many questions as you can until you understand. Research your doctors and your hospital. Just be armed with information. Um, and then um, I believe in self-care as much as possible. So we're talking about um, exercise and eating right. But, you know, a lot of us are out here on the front lines and are stressed. So I created a business that teaches self-care and empowerment for women, girls, and families, and so men are included in that. <laughs> and we use, cre we use creative writing, and uh, we'll be doing yoga, restorative yoga, Reiki massage, acupressure, guided meditation, and journaling 
Um, on December 7th, I have a workshop coming up here, and then we're doing it again in January in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so this is an opportunity for people to come into a sacred space and just kind of retreat inward. Um, let yourself melt all of the societal stress and pressures away and really, you know, make sure that you have mind, body, and spirit intact. So you can look us up if you want to come down to Columbia. I have people flying in from all over the country for this. Um, we're on Eventbrite. It is www.thehealingspace2020.eventbrite.com. And you can go to my website, drkarimd.com. It's D-R-K-A-R-I-M-D.com. And all of my information, upcoming events, workshops, speaking engagements, all of that is on there. Um, so I'm out here in the community, and I would love to meet you guys. I would love to um, work with you, whether it's one-on-one, group coaching. We do all of those things. So, And I have a whole team, so we we got you. Oh, that's, that's everybody who is, who is listening. Everybody who is listening, you might want to go ahead and take advantage of that because, you know, if if she gets appointed to be Surgeon General, you may not be able to reach her. <laughs> may not well, I'm working on my book. So by the time I'm 30 young, you can buy my book and feel very connected to me uh, through reading my story. So well, I want, hopefully they'll be more connected with you coming back again because uh, this was Absolutely. really, really good. I really, really actually even learned something from my own podcast. Uh, Well, thank you all for having me. I heard a rumor that I'm the first physician you guys have ever had. That that is certainly certainly true. Yeah, it's been all lawyers up until now. We've had every every. Well, still we had a basketball player. So we so so I guess we we both have a role. But you definitely first doctor. Um, So uh, congratulations. I think you should put that on your bio. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. It's going on my it's going on my CV. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. If you need a letter here, we can we do. Thank sure. you. Yeah, and I would just say, you know, to everybody, just do the best you can to take care of yourself. You know, um, we're out here, and there are really good doctors who really care whether they look like us or not, right? And so, if you find somebody who your spirit is not connecting with them, you're not feeling valued and heard. Find another doctor. It's okay. Um, but there are amazing physicians out there. You know, I'm unfortunately only uh, about 4% of all professor physicians like myself in academic medicine are African American. Mm. But I work with middle aged male white colleagues who are absolutely fabulous and could take care of anybody in my family any day. Um, so while we need more of us out there, um, there is a strong workforce that's already out there, and you just have to find the the relationship that works for you. But, you know, while we do have the historical mistrust or, you know, the very valid reasons why we don't necessarily show up for care, these are still our lives and our bodies, and so we do still have to find a way uh, to make this flawed but existing system work for us. And so I think that however we can find our diet that works for us and the exercise regimen, the sleep patterns, um, shifting our work life, 
getting our blood pressure and our cholesterol and our diabetes checks in, our pap smears for women, right, um, for people over 50 getting that colon cancer screen, those are things Ooh. that we know prevent disease. <laughs> so it's, it might not be fun, and it's not always, you know, we're, sometimes we're scared to hear bad news, but we have really good technology. We've come a long way. And when we see a lot of these disparities in African Americans, it's because we did wait. And like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if we feel good, we avoid the medical system. And then when we catch things, it's too late. You know what I mean? Good point. No, no, no. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I certainly have seen that with what I've read about skin cancer, which is, you know, it's not something that affects us all that often or whatever. But when it does, it's usually too late because we've waited and waited and mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. you're right. So so I, I would go get there. And actually, I, I heard they have a new um, type of thing that's better than like, or at least it's, it's not, I guess it's not as, as, as reliable test, but they have a test that's, that's more reliable. I don't, I don't know exactly how it does. I, I got a message from where well, they don't have to go in with the camera thing anymore for that sigmoidoscopy or whatever, but you can actually just mm-hmm. take something at home, some solution that produces, I guess, some uh, testing material that you can then send in. Mhm. Yeah, you uh, just poop in the little box and um box. you can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Jesse, if, if if the choice is getting a camera up to uh you might want to poop in the box. <laughs> yeah. But it's easy, it's at home testing and you send it back in and um they can use the DNA from the solution that they mix it with. And they can see if there is blood DNA, mm. um, and they can see if there's like cancerous DNA in the in your fecal matter. So yeah, we've come a long way. All right, guys. So no excuse. We're gonna all go to the doctor one time Yay. in 2019. Yeah. Yay. And get your STD checks too, because a lot of people don't know this is with the guys. They used to take the little Q-tip and like oh, no, down here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that anymore, right? So there are a lot of myths. You gotta, you guys have to have me on again so we can just kind of break down like myths versus facts. Um, because yeah, we don't some, do that. <laughs> some of our listeners out there are, are living in fear of the Q-tip. So, so let's. Um, I think <laughs> even have to wear it. So, um, yeah, so we, all you have to do is pee in the cup. Now we can, we can do the STD testing from. Just taking the urine, a quick little blood test, um, and we got you. And all insurances cover STD testing. Why'd y'all wait till I got married? And then I was like, wow. So you trapped her? I always thought that Q-tip thing was was, was punishment. Like <laughs> it was the worst. It, was the worst. it probably was. But anyway, hey, thanks so much for uh, uh, being a turn all our business up in here. Uh, we will see you next time. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely want to have you on again. Uh, now, should we call you Dr. Allen or Dr. Carey? Because now you can kind of get I go by Dr. Carey. All right. I go by Dr. Carey in the community. Yeah. And then you guys can um, keep up with me on Instagram. It's Dr. Carey MD, Twitter, Dr. Carey MD. And again, that's D R K A R I M D. So check me out. Perfect. That's All, right. All right, guys. Episode. Bye bye. Next on Valentine's Day. Okay. Bye. All right. Hello.
Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> you know, thank you. Okay, bye. I, I'm uh, sorry. Bye bye. And and for anyone who has not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the Brothers in Law podcast. You can also find us on Facebook at Brothers in Law. That's B R U T H A S N L A W. Uh, where we post all kinds of great things about what we're doing, what's going on in pop culture. You can even send us messages and answers. And the other thing is we need you to go ahead and continue to send in those reviews to Apple uh, so that we can keep getting good ratings and that we can try to expand into where we're covered. So thank you for listening. Uh, Sean, you got anything else? Nope, we are good. I think we've broken the podcast record, and we'll see you guys next time.